Hello, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, and wherever you are in this wide, wonderful, beautiful world, you're welcome to Growing Professionals. My name's Jason Cooper. I'm working on behalf of Use Because. We're on a mission to discover the most cutting-edge L&D techniques in use today that are being utilized by wonderful professionals like my guest today, Kirsty Lewis. We know how companies like yours are dealing with remote training and what you see is the most pressing topics in 2021. So Kirsty, you're very, very welcome. Thank you. Hey guys, how are you? Oh, thanks for having me, Jason. Uh, you're more than welcome. I just want to do a little bit of blurb about you and like, okay. I'm going to, you're going to have to fill in the details afterwards because I'm probably going to mess it up. But uh, Kirsty. Uh, owns the School of Facilitation, and I've been working with Kirsten on her platform for the last year, and I love it, and I've learned so much. So um, her dream uh, started in sort of 2007. I know she uh, worked for Diageo, uh, um, helping drinking the profits and uh, helping to sell. <laughs> I'm only kidding there. <laughs> but uh, she was working there, and, and then she came up with an idea, and she wanted to give forward um, what she does now is to help people engage in learning and development. So she created a, a, a sort of a, a platform with other facilitators to help them learn and help them all grow. So anything from a coach to uh, someone that's an independent, someone that actually works within organizations as well. And I've been involved in this over the last year because was very generous enough to do once a month where we all get together and we share, uh, share the best practices out there and we get to know other people. So, Kirsty, you're very welcome. So, thank you very much. I was going to ask you a very quick question because I gave you a little bit of a synopsis of who, who you are. Describe to me what you do. So, I... I, I say I'm the founder of School of Facilitation because I'd like to think it might exist after I've gone. So maybe I've created it, but I'll hand the baton on. Um, School of Facilitation is all about creating spaces and places um, for facilitators, trainers, um, coaches, anyone who has to create workshops or um, events or really good meetings. And um, we work with independents. We work with corporates as well. So you mentioned Diageo, Jacob Doegbert, people like uh, Gusto in the UK, um, Doc Martin. And we enable people just to be brilliant facilitators and trainers. So that starts at the design phase as well as the delivery. And I can geek out on marker pens, post-it notes, body language, language, question styles, tone of voice um, to the cows come home. So, yeah, that's a little about me. Brilliant. Uh, so what got you into what you're doing right now? I'm, I'm intrigued about the sort of the anchor points along the way that went all of a sudden you went, this is what I want to do. Because yeah. we discussed before this about purpose and doing what you love to do, because it is purpose is pretty much you wake up in the morning, you jump out your bed with a spring in your step and go, this is what I love. Yeah, so I I were, I'm a, a child of the 70s. So I followed what my parents wanted. It, that was, you know, get your GCSEs, get your A-levels, get a degree, get a good job. So um, I got the good job in the drinks industry. I first worked at Bass Brewers on their grad scheme. Then I joined Guinness that morphed into Diageo. Uh, whilst I was at Diageo, I was in sales, global sales. And then I ended up in a team called um, 
sales capability. And I I enjoyed the sales role because it's all about relationships. Once I figured out it wasn't really about selling and it was about building great relationships, that was a, a twist for me. And I'm good at relationships. I find it very easy. Um, but I was never ecstatic in a sales role. And I know some of your audience are salespeople, so they'll get some might resonate with this. But what I discovered was in this global sales role, working in capability, I was working with the sales leaders and the sales teams for Diageo around the world, running workshops, coaching them on how to be great salespeople, coaching the managers on how to coach. And I got really intrigued by this whole thing, like, how do you run a workshop? Like, what is this 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 uh, magic that's going on? And I was really enjoying myself. And then someone said to me, you need to go and do your NLP. So I remember really clearly doing the first weekend of my NLP course and we were doing a rapport exercise and then we did another exercise which was sinking into your a clear yes and a clear no and feeling it yeah. in your body you might know that one Jason and yeah. I was just like oh I get this I don't even have to think about it it was just so innate but someone had suddenly given me some language around it so that was that was the start of me going what is this and starting that exploration as I was going still at Diageo, this was like 2005, 2006, 2007. I, what makes a good workshop, like environment, the style, um, oh my God, everything from like the questions we were asking, how we were doing things. I then had a really great teacher, a man called Tim Andrews, and he's got, um, he talks about where's your spotlight. And he really introduced me to the concept that adults are as learners have a different way of learning versus a child and you know you put the the human at the heart of everything you do it's not you the trainer the facilitator we've just got to get out of the way yeah. it's about the participants so that was another point I was like, like this like this and carried on my NLP journey went up did my mastery loved all of that that really helped me sink into self I have a phrase in SOF, like we need to sort our shit out. And that was the start point of me sorting out my shit by looking at my values, my beliefs. There was so much rumbling around. You know, I thought I was there to learn about NLP. I didn't realize you parallel process and that you're sorting yourself out at the same time. So that was amazing. And then a friend, really good friend of mine, Rich Bellas, was testing a workshop. And it was April, April 7th, 2007. And it was an outcomes focused workshop. And I didn't have an outcome, but I facetiously wrote, it's April the 7th, 2009. And I'm an NLP facilitator, trainer and coach. And I earn 5,000 pounds a month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in the corporate world, Jason. I'm entrenched in being, I've got my career. I've got my shares. I've got my BA gold card. I'm allowed to turn left and sit in busy, you know, all the, the shenanigans, drinking a lot. I'm pretty unhappy, but didn't identify that at that point. Yeah. And then did this workshop. And by the time I cycled home that night, it was a one day workshop. I was like, I'm going to leave Diageo. Yeah. I'm going to resign. And it really felt right. And then for the next six months, I went through a massive journey of how do I do that? What could it look like? Where could I go? I didn't even know another world existed out there. I thought, mm -hmm. you know, corporate land was corporate land. That was all it was. And so that was April. I resigned in the October of 2007. And I can see the room now where I told my boss and passed the letter across the table. And he just looked at me and went, what are you going to do exactly? And I went, I don't know. I'm going to be like a trainer. I'm going to be a coach. And he was just like, 
I don't understand how that works. Um, have you got clients? I'm like, no. And so I worked out my notice and had a very happy time, left at Christmas 2007. And then since then, January 2008, I started my journey. So that's where I came from. And I was initially an associate, a lot of sales training, a lot of sales yeah. coaching. Um, I did that for seven years. And then in that time, though, the kernel of School of Facilitation was always there and growing. And then the right opportunity came along in 2015, 2014, 2015. And I literally it was a nine month process with a coach. I gestated and gave birth to School of Facilitation. <laughs> That's really good. And it seems like we've been on a similar journey as well, because I, I've done as much NLP as you want. The next thing up from that is uh, the trainer trainer within that. But uh, yeah. I don't think I'm going to do that because I'm doing other things as well. So what do you think are the growing trends within facilitation now? Because we know we've been in this mass lockdown uh, off and on, but if you had a crystal ball, where would you like to see it go? I would love – I often say I think um, those of us who are in L&D, especially freelancers, and I really do hope this is also within the corporate world, we're at the front of a wave and we have to keep sharing and pushing like what is coming through and what we're noticing, even if our corporate clients are resistant to it. So I think many of us have been talking for a long time about the benefit of virtual workshops, blended yeah. learning, and blended to me, just to be clear, because I know everyone has different interpretations, blended to me would be having an end-to-end -end journey that incorporates um reading virtual workshop in-person activity audio podcast great resource list it, it's more it's more than a one hit wonder workshop jason i cannot bear it when a client says to me can you just do a workshop on that i'm like no it makes no change it makes no difference yeah. i'll charge you for it and i'll take all your money but that feels inauthentic like you're not going to see the shift so to me if i had a crystal ball i would love it that corporates were coming to me with realistic expectations of what is achievable within their budgets and also be open to experimenting with different formats and different um technologies so as i just said like seeing seeing something more as a journey that there's different touch points that they can take their learners and participants through that they're prepared to experiment using virtual like this you know doing using zoom classrooms ms teams if have to um but then being more creative like resort resourcing on podcasts yeah. uh great books you know things like um use because that sounds like a really good idea that you could with corporates they could like recommend a reading a book and then you can dive into it and explore it i think there's also something about the embedding piece and having that realization that it's fine that we can we can galvanize you and and we can stay with you on the whole journey and we can embed and coach, but actually what are your leadership team doing? What are your management team doing yeah. in terms yeah. of coaching and feedback and even facilitation themselves to help create those shifts in behavior or skills or knowledge? Well, so one thing I'm really quite passionate about is what happens once you deliver the training and we know from a lot of research that's been out there in neuroscience and so on and so forth and psychology, you teach it, you give them stuff to do, but if they don't use it, they lose it. And there's a 50% uh, you lose after a day. And then you put that over a week. 
but the the problem is it's how can we embed that learning so the way the way the brain works and the way the neurons wire and fire together and there's connection it, it is the muscle in our brain yeah but it's how can we do that because i love the facilitation part and i love to do that but i always want to know what happens afterwards so what do you see in that point um i think there's a piece of I think it's about having conversations and, and supporting whoever the key stakeholder is who's brought you into that project to help them understand and learn. To your point, like, are you aware this is the neuroscience of what is going on for your participants? But then also giving some really tangible, easy, logical next steps that they can take and execute. Because I do wonder, not all managers sign up to be a manager because they want to. Not all managers are natural coaches and natural chatterboxes like you and I are so my style when I was a manager was to coach I didn't even realize but so how can you enable the managers and know that this is part of their job description now to be it's not just about hitting your core objectives the what it's the how you do it as well so I think there is something there as well about being really supportive of those stakeholders to enable their managers to do the embedding and having those conversations um otherwise nothing will change is my perspective so uh this is a question that i posted out on clubhouse the other day uh I'm, I'm on there all the time but what will happen is for people that how do we get buy-in from those that don't want to be there when you're teaching in an organization what can we do as professionals to just get their buying quickly and enable them to be in a shared trusted environment that they feel that they can learn and grow as much as they don't want to be there. Does that make sense? Uh, are you talking about just in the macro sense of being in the organization or in like a, a micro situation of a, a workshop or a learning session? Maybe, maybe a bit of both really. So when you're in the micro uh, and mm. you're chunking it right down into the workshop itself, you get people coming in, there's two or three of them that even not switching their screens on or their yeah. mics on, which happened to me the other day, but they don't want to be involved in it. But, how can we jump into that? Because I, I have several ideas, but I want to hear it from yourself. Um, I, I go macro first. So I think um, in organizations, there's something about calling out that learning and development is, is central and is core and important. Um, because if the leadership team aren't naming it as relevant, the rest of the business won't um, notice. So there's a phrase, as above, so below. Um, and like you'll that. notice it in corporations people look upwards for cues on how to act and how to behave and how to do things so firstly i think there's other leadership team walking the talk if they truly believe that learning and development is important secondly there is research that has been done that says you know your line manager can make or break your attitude when you come into a, a learning scenario so if the managers are positive and engaging and talking about that this is going to be beneficial this is going to work for you this is part of your objectives which i'll talk about in a minute you'll get a reinforced um positivity when that end of learner comes into the learning if the manager though goes the other way and just goes doesn't say anything or is a bit flippant and like yeah you've got to do this it's mandatory or yeah i think you'll have fun but who knows you know i don't really care attitude yeah. Guess what? If you've got a cynical person, they're going to be even more cynical and not give two hoots. Yeah. So I think that's really important first. There is something about having it as a learning objective. I think an objective that is learning. So when I was at Diageo, we used to have 
10 days of learning a year. And it was this, they measured it, um, input and output. So what are you doing with your 10 days? How have you used them? I had to evidence it and I had to demonstrate it. Now it could be, I was allowed to take like a half day of reading at one point. So I just said to my line manager on Friday, I'm taking a half day reading. I mean, fair play to Diageo. This was all starting in like 2000, 2001. I think they were really progressive um, in how they did things. And I'm I'm blessed with that. So I think it's about having a a learning objective. I think it's measuring not just the what, it's measuring how you do things. Um, So if an organization has that, and they have clear capabilities defined. I think that's super, that really helps as well. A line manager to have a constructive conversation with their people around how you sell, how you do your marketing, how you do finance, supply chain, ad infinitum. That helps a manager have a constructive conversation. Then when you get to the workshop environment, there are things that the facilitator can do, I think, to create engagement. And my life, where do we start on that? I think it's about, firstly, how the invitations are positioned and the language. So there's the pre-thinking, the pre-connection. There's a Priya Parker uh, sort of quote that gets talked about is, um, uh, the meeting starts from, something like the meeting starts from the first point of the contact. So like even at the invitation, your meeting, your gathering has started. So don't just think it's when you come into the virtual space or into the physical room. Um, I think it's like, how do we show up as the facilitator and trainer? And how do you invite people into the space? How are you creating connection straight away? So you create connection with the group. You're getting the group to make connection with one another. How are you helping the individual make connection with the content? Um, And that's down to us through our language, through the creation of the exercises, um, our tone of voice. There's loads on that. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. So, because I, I, I would use a lot of that. And I also think um, we're missing now the coffee break. Because yeah. that's when um, we go away and we have our cups of tea with the other uh, attendees to that. But that hasn't that doesn't stop when you're in the real world. Like you're still learning, you're still growing. So where can we add value back into that going forward? Because we're we're doing more of this. Hopefully we'll do a bit of both. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with what you're saying about the coffee break. It's like I use a lot of visuals on the wall, and you've got that unconscious messaging going on. Um yeah, so Darren for, Brown stuff. Love a bit of Darren Brown. Take me on <laughs> it's not everyone's cup of tea um but I think there is this piece on I really hope businesses do go back to some in-person workshops or in-person conversations and meetings because we I think we've now realized you can use the virtual and sort of uh video or reading resources to tee up like the inputting of this is the knowledge or this is the behavior or this is the capability we want to talk about um and I think you can then use the in-person for practice and feedback and, you know, diving deeper into the questions. So I really hope businesses will go for a blend of both and not just go, can we go back to all workshops? Because I'll be like, you can, but I think we could do both. Or if they say, can we just stick to virtual? I'll be like, mm, we can. But I think we also know that there's benefit to two different modalities. 
So how do you think uh, companies have actually taken on uh, the virtual world? Because I think they were quite hesitant in yeah. 2019. They go, no, yeah, really good, love it, yeah, but we want to see you in person. How do you think I it's think changed the way you, for you, but also the company as well? Yeah, so I think last this time last year, so like, um, so where are we? We're, we're mid-April. I think this time last year, companies were like oh this will all be over soon we'll be back in person but it'll be fine and so and i noticed a split some companies went straight for it and said we're going all virtual let's go for it let's convert our in-person learning let's have a go that was great and so whilst it might have been a bit sticky and we all might have been a bit like oh this feels clunky we had a go there were other companies though who were like no stripping out learning budgets we're not going to do anything and there were two things I think there. There was one, we need to make cost savings. So we, we strip out the budgets. And then secondly, there was others who were just of, in fear of like, how do we do training virtually? And therefore we're not. And they sort mm -hmm. of pressed pause altogether. Then I think we got to the summer and then we came out the other side and then it was like, oh, actually we do need to have a virtual solution as well. We can't just stick to believing yeah, we're yeah. going to be in person because I think by then it'd been six months and some businesses had done no, hadn't necessarily shifted their, their stance so I think also a lot of companies were tied into Microsoft solutions and got scared by the zoom bombing rumor that had gone around and what people and IT then locked down and wouldn't let them use zoom so the initial experiences of virtual classrooms I think could have been a bit uncomfortable because MS teams didn't have all the functionality it now has or oh, people tried to use Adobe and that's quite a big system that was crashing. Uh, people tried to get into WebEx, but WebEx weren't being forthcoming on their customer services and enabling people to buy their packages. So it, yeah. <laughs> I think people were just getting frustrated by then and tearing their hair out. But those who have persisted and have worked with either other learning professionals who have got some good L&D designers in-house, I think they have started to make the most out of virtual. What was the rest of the question though? Because I feel like I've just been. Oh, no, I, I can't remember now. It was it was really good. It was really good. Uh, <laughs> so another question is, how do you think yeah. people want to learn? Ooh. So I'm an old fart. I'm 47. So I still like reading a good book for my learning, and then I write notes, and I know that really appeals. I also appreciate um, the younger generation like to d devour through podcast and video content. I think all generations though, benefit from conversation and making that time of making meaning and coming together to talk to one another or talking it out loud with another person. Um, whether everybody's comfortable doing that is another matter in this day and age, but I think that's, that is relevant. So I think it, we're at that phase where I think we need all modalities of learning to be covered off. I don't know what you're you're noticing. Well, for me, um, I, I've actually started to buy physical books again. I, I do Audible as well. I go through books like uh, Audible. But I bought four books last week, and they're all around um, uh, personal and professional development. Uh, I don't really read um, fiction that much, but that's one then online, I belong to a, a mastermind group, and I belong, but that's just me because I'm I'm embedded into the learning. But yeah. how do you think other people can learn organically without being prompted to learn? 
They they might have just done their degree. They might have done this, that, that. They think they're the smartest thing, but they there's other things that they need to do. How can we sort of push that forward without telling that they're going to do it, but helping them to do it organically for themselves? Oh. So I'm going to take an assumption that in the workplace, yeah, I think it comes down to the the management and the leadership team talking about learning and development. I think it also initially does fall on the managers to be coaching and giving feedback to the individual and helping them grow that way. Because if you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And I think there has to be this uh, raising up in your conscious that what you're doing this works or this doesn't work and whilst it's sometimes an uncomfortable conversation in your 20s you know being told that you could do this better um if if no one tells you nothing's ever going to change yeah i guess for me that i think sometimes it has to be a very conscious conversation um and it has to be brought out and i think that happened for me because i remember the first time I read um, Covey Seven Habits, I oh, yeah. it was yep. 1999, and I remember someone had given me the book, and it was just a revelation. And I can still say I had a pencil, and I was going through underlining things. I think I've still got the book behind me, and I had a notepad. It was the first time I'd ever got like a notepad, and I was writing. You know, at the end of each chapter, he has questions, and doing the work, and just thinking, oh, I didn't know anything about this. You know, writing my eulogy, but. I wonder that was just part of my DNA, though, for curiosity and just starting to look at it from that perspective. But I think for some people, you have to tell them. If you don't, they just don't know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think there's a way of telling people or asking them when you do do this, what will actually happen is you will start to make more money. You will start to whatever, plant them into the future and then bring it back to the reality so when you do do this what you will start to learn and we'll start to notice that you'll be impacting in yourselves but you'll also be impacting the marketing department or whatever it might be so how do you create a learning atmosphere what what is the key thing about that oh my god that's a good question i think you so a phrase we used to use at the edge is like create the conditions so yeah. you've got to create conditions for people to learn um, and I think if you're the leader of a particular team or department or business, it's like, how are you creating conditions for your people to go and learn? And I think it has to start. We always have to start with ourselves. So what if you truly believe that learning and development is important? How are you doing? Firstly, how do you do that yourself? How do you then share that with others and um, bring it to life? And it could be many different ways. I remember some of my bosses had a really great CEO and he he used to really generously buy us all books and we'd come in and there'd be a new book on our desk. Um, who moved my cheese? I remember that in 99. Who moved oh, yes. my cheese? And, uh, and, but then he would walk the floor on a Friday, always walk the floor, come and talk to us all. He'd remember our names. He'd remember what was going on in our lives. He would talk to us. He would ask us questions. And there was a real sense of, yeah, this person cares about me and, he actually has a has an interest in my development because the way he spoke and like he would just encourage and nudge, encourage and nudge. Um, and the fact that's like 99, that's over 20 years ago, it still sticks in my mind. I can see it. He, one day he brought us all ice creams as well. You know, oh, it's things, but it made the big difference for me. 
Um, so I think it's like how you show up as the leader and how you talk. I think then if you've got a leadership team, is that like how are you coaching your own team? How are you encouraging your your leaders and managers to own their own learning journey and support them? So I think that's important. Um, I would say as well, working with your HR department, uh, what is it you have internally already set up that you can lean into and utilize? Um, I'd really encourage you to look at your objectives or your KPIs, your OKRs for the year. Where does learning show up? Have you got it called out as something? Because what doesn't get measured doesn't get done. Let's be really honest about that. So if it's something you truly believe in, you know, put it down on paper, make it something that tangible that people can do. So that everyone should actually read the book Influence uh, by Robert Cialdini. Uh, and likability is one of the key connections between people. And the more that you're connected with people, uh, like giving the ice cream, it's those small little nudges that create such a big difference. And even saying people's name like Kirsty just helps resonate because then you start to know people more yeah. and which actually starts to move things forward and helping th- people to learn more. So the question is, if you were interviewing you, Kirsty, what would you ask? What gets you up in the morning and gets you excited? Yeah. Okay, go on then, answer that question. Uh what gets me excited and gets me up in the morning is the thought that I can make a difference to somebody in their their life as a facilitator and trainer. So that's that's the space I love playing in and knowing that I can enable someone to grow their skills in being a great facilitator or trainer or help them find a great learning solution that they could deliver to the client Um I love also hearing people grow in themselves so that they grow in their businesses and, and just getting the stories through the SOF community of um, people expanding and taking the space in the world that's theirs. That that really makes like, me smiling really hard now. And then if I'm working with a corporate, I call it the aha moment. It's seeing people's eyes light up as they get it and they go, oh yeah and oh that is my energy that's that really just fuels me and seeing that and and I think that's probably one of the things I've missed at the moment because virtually it's harder to see that and feel the energy in the room um but that's what gets me excited enabling others and seeing the aha I love that uh something that I like to do is uh think of venting when I see the energy levels going down uh, one or two things is the breathing. I get them to breathe and I get them to deep breathe, get their energy flushing back. And there's a thing with movement. Like when you're in a static position, your blood is sitting down at your feet, really. But yeah. getting them up and running around and doing doing some mad stuff and then getting them in. So venting is I get them to breathe really loud. I make them do all stupid noises to get, make them laugh and make them joke and then get them back into uh, a sort of a positive state of mind uh, and then get them back into learning whatever. And I, I like to throw in a lot of funny stuff, like silly jokes, and I, I'm sure you're the same, because that really helps. Uh, I know that. Yeah. Um, one last question before we go is, um, how can people find out more about you? 
Oh, good question. So there's the website that I'm seeing tracking across the screen. Uh, come into the website and you can email us from there. Um, I have to say I have a bit of a love for Instagram. So I'm the School of Facilitation on Instagram. Come and come and follow us there. Come and connect and say hi. LinkedIn, I'm under Kirsty Lewis. Uh, and we've got a private Facebook group called School of Facilitation. And then once you found us, come and join our Friday morning pod, which Jason has um, alluded to at the very beginning of this conversation. So the pod happens the first Friday of every month. It's free. It's a space for facilitators, trainers, coaches, even the consultants of the world, anyone who has to like lead conversations, lead workshops, um, design and deliver. So we have cool guests each month or you get me facilitating a session. So they're all free. Come and join that um, and get a taste for what we do. And then you get the newsletter as well. And then there's classes and gatherings that we host throughout the year, which you'd all be so welcome to, to come along to. That's absolutely awesome. You've been uh, a fantastic guest and I knew you would. Uh, uh, you didn't disappoint in any area. So I love that. So thank you so much. You've been listening to Jason Cooper. I'm your host on behalf of Use Because. Use Because is about deep learning, deep learning for some of the most biggest books in the world and condensing it down into a learning purpose so you can get the rich elements so you can apply it to your work life apply it to professional or your home life or whatever you want. So have that. Have a look at usebecause.com. Thank you so much, Kirsty. You've been wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you for having me here today. Hey, before you go, just a quick message about usebecause.com and what we're all about. We believe that true learning happens when you understand, remember, and deliberately practice your newly acquired knowledge. So with that in mind, you can get access to our purpose-built learning tools to help you do just that. So try all our tools for all of our episodes free for a month. You can cancel any time. For all of this and all of the podcast episodes, head over to usebecause.com. Until next time.